Patrick can't put up the slide. I'm sorry, I get ahead of myself there. I've got these color coded in case you know purple means I'm supposed to be up here. There we go. It's blue there, but it's purple in my notes. Patrick Henley said, Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of change and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course may, others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. How many have ever heard that? I know us older people would do, because we taught that in school. So we're familiar with these words. The generations that are coming up now, they don't know. Today, they're kind of raised with, well, we don't care as long as I get what I want. I don't care what slavery is or what change I have to be able to be changed. But us older people, freedom and liberty means a lot more to us because our generation and the generation before mine are the ones that spent the most for freedom. And, uh, well, and forefathers way, way back, too. But uh, my dad fought World War II, and I know the older people that are here, your parents did, too. My generation had Vietnam, and uh, war has not been fun. There's no such thing as fun in war. I mean, it doesn't, well, it does bother the people at home because you worry about our loved ones over there. And it's hard when you're home, when there's a war going on, and you have one of your loved ones over there in harm's way, isn't it? And, uh, but it's why they do it. They do it because, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. People are willing to die for what they believe. And uh, this nation was built by people that were willing to do that. Abraham Lincoln said, Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now, all men are created equal. That's what they fought for. So they wouldn't have all these different levels of people. But today, all men are not created equal, aren't they? We're living in a society where, yeah, I want equality. I do, and I know everybody here wants equality. But because of the things that's going on, some people are getting more than equality. And we're being pushed down so that others can have more than being equal. And I don't like that about our nation right now. It's, it's crying to us, us that have been around for a few years, uh, seeing what's happened. I told my, my granddaughter, I said, I never thought I'd live to see the stuff that's going on in our nation today. I didn't think it was possible. And, uh, of course, I didn't think it was possible this year anyway. I told my granddaughter, man, if I was gonna live, knew I was going to live this long, I'd take better care of myself. You know? <laughs> the reality is we're here today, and we have freedom, and we get to celebrate Independence Day because of what other people paid for with their life. And uh, we kind of understate that. We like uh, holidays. We like to celebrate Fourth of July because we get a day off from work. And to some people, that's all it is. Oh, man, I, man, I got summertime. I get to go. I don't have to go to work. But we don't look at what a freedom that uh, others cost for us. And we need to do that because we are an ungrateful people. And ingratitude is what allows us to be put into slavery and into change. We don't know it, they're kind of subtle, and it, that's where we're at, we're in a subtle thing where the change is gradually kind of closing in on us, aren't they? Not so you noticed it? Put the next slide up. Now, if you've ever been, uh, oh, I must have missed that one. Put the next slide. I must have missed one and a half. So anyway, I don't need that one yet. Um, if you've ever been arrested, you find out what it's like to instantly lose your freedom. 
You hear freedom today and it's gone the next. And then someone tells you what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. And you can hardly wait till you get out because you want some freedom because you don't really appreciate it until it's gone. Now, liberty never looks so sweet as it does when we do not have it. We always like, you know, we think, oh, I don't like my car that much. But if it breaks down, you would really wish that car was running. Doesn't matter how bad it is, you want that car because of the things that it offers. I know our da uh, Randy's dad isn't doing very well right now, and, and he has a hard time. I think he'll be 90 this year. And the hardest thing for him is starting to lose his freedom. He can't drive to go where he wants. He can't do all the things he used to do. He had to be put in an assisted living place, and he hates it because he has no freedom. He used to drive every day to the senior center and play cards all day and have lunch. And that was his favorite thing to do. And then come home and watch the news about playing. I had no idea about that, but that was it. And now, because he's gotten older and he's, he's had some health issues, it's robbed him of that freedom. And when freedom is taken away, especially the older people, because they know what it is, because they fought for it, then they kind of lose their will to live, if you will. And uh, the generation that's coming up, they don't have that, because we don't teach it. All we teach is the things that we don't want. Me and us old-timers really don't want them teaching. But they do, and we don't really appreciate it. But our forefathers wanted freedom of religion, not freedom from religion. We hear that and think, oh, yeah, yeah, but there's a big difference between freedom of religion and freedom from religion. Our founding fathers didn't want us to not have religion of God in our, in our lives. That wasn't what their plan was. Their plan was because they came here because of religious oppression. And we don't, well, we're starting to feel that. Us as Christians, we're starting to feel religious oppression, aren't we? And, uh, but they came here because of that. It were, in England, when they were there, before they came here, the religious oppression dictated what, if you want to be, uh, have the best job, if you want to rule, if you want to run for office, you have to belong to this religion. That was the reality that they lived with. And they didn't like that. They, everybody should be free to run for office. And we have that now to a certain degree. But I remember uh, 30 years ago, or 40, even 40 years ago, you couldn't even run for office if you just wasn't righteous and didn't church. People claim to be a Christian. I'm not kidding you. If, if they found skeletons in your closet, you better not run. If you have any skeletons, because they're going to find them. And you're going to be humiliated, and you won't be able to run. You'll have to work well. That's the, that's the nation I grew up with. And now, oh, well, who cares if they have fairs? Who cares if they got six kids out of marriage? Who cares if they do this? Who cares if they do that? Well, I care, and God cares. And that's what they came here for, to have to be able to have them, have freedom for, uh, of religion, to worship the way that they wanted. And uh, a lot of our documents were framed by those freedoms. Now, I know that if you think about, you know, we say framed by both documents, well, what is important to us is frame, don't we? You kind of frame it. If you've got a graduation certificate, what do you do? You frame it. If you've got pictures of your kids and grandkids, what do you do? You frame it. Well, that's what our uh, forefathers did with the documents that started this nation. They framed them in God and religion and belief in Him. And they knew that this uh, nation that they were starting could not survive without that framing of God in, the, in our nation. And that's why we're struggling now, is because they've taken it out of the frame. And it can't, it, it cannot prosper in that way. And uh, 
So uh, we're one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. How do you know where the how, how, where those roots come from? Anybody? I suppose we're region, see the flag. <laughs> you know? Individual, one nation under God, not one uh, nation above God, not even a nation beside God, but under God, under the authority of God, under the authority of what he thinks is right and wrong. And as long as we're under God, we're okay. You want to show that next that video there, uh, James, please? That first one? They do a better job if you do it faster than I can. So you, you'll thank me later. I get two minutes and take me to six. The first Surgeon General of the United States was Benjamin Rush, one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. He helped found schools and universities and was the first founding father to advocate free public schools. Consider his views on the Bible and education. In contemplating the political institutions of the United States, if we remove the Bible from schools, I lament that we waste so much time and money in punishing crimes and take such little pains to prevent them. He's talking about Bibles in the public schools. Does he know what the Founding Fathers' intent was? What about separation of church and state? And when it comes to elections, is it right to vote for people based on religion, character, and moral codes rather than politics? When we founded the country, um, the founders wrote the Establishment Clause. And what they were trying to do was to avoid situations like the Church of England uh, or the Church of Holland or the other countries where you were forced to be of a certain religion and you didn't have religious freedom. So our founders passed the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment. It says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And you say, well, where's separation of church and state in that? Well, it's not in our First Amendment. It's not in the Constitution. It came from a letter that was written over 20 years later uh, by the Danbury Baptist Association to Thomas Jefferson. They were concerned when they saw the free exercise of religion mentioned in the First Amendment. They felt that that might imply that we had the free exercise of religion because the government gave us that right. They didn't believe that. They said this is an inalienable right. It's a God-given right. And so they expressed that concern to the president, to Thomas Jefferson. And Thomas Jefferson replied, he totally agreed with them that it was an inalienable right. And the reason that it was put in our First Amendment is just to make clear that the real purpose of both the Establishment Clause and the Free Exercise Clause, for that matter, was to protect and to provide for the most free exercise of religion that we could have. Now, currently today, we often hear the term separation of church and state misused. It's often attempted to be used to strike down or to prohibit or to restrict religion when clearly in Thomas Jefferson's letter, he is saying there is a wall of separation to keep the government from meddling into private religious matters like where you go to church, what you believe, and the free exercise of your religion. So people need to understand what the true Constitution says. It says none of us want the government to establish a religion for us, 
but we all have the free exercise of religion. And that means we can be public with our faith. Uh, we can certainly be public whether we're running for public office or going to vote for people for public office. And churches have complete freedom to talk about all the issues of the day, even political issues. They have a right to talk uh, and invite even candidates into their church to talk about the issues. They have a right to pass out voters' guides. Uh, so that is a First Amendment right to the free exercise of religion. And certainly none of us want the government establishing any particular religion for us. Amen. See, the, the problem that we have today is they quote things that we don't know. We assumed that uh, separation of church and state was in our Constitution and that that's one of that separation. But as you can see, it's not in our Constitution. And uh, that's just uh, the words that they use to try and force us into slavery. When they try to want, they force us into to agreeing with the things that they think we ought to be doing and the things that we ought to be accepting. Uh, and when I attended school as a, as a child, we said the Pledge of Allegiance every morning, and then they prayed over the loudspeaker. That was every single week, every single day I went to school. And it was on, wasn't until the 60s that all this stuff started changing from Mary Murray or Hare, whatever her name is. Uh, and she's fundamentally changed everything. And uh, our pastor did a did a graph, if you will, to find out the change that that made in our school systems. And they did the thing where they plotted crime rates around the school. And when we had the prayer in school every day, and we did the Pledge of Allegiance, and and all these things were were more oriented towards God, there was hardly any crime around the schools. But as soon as that was taken away, all of a sudden the crime around the schools started multiplying and getting more and more and more, and it stretched out further and further and further. Because, see, the, the nice thing about God in the schools is the fact that kid, when kids grow up, they think, oh, well, my mom and dad isn't with me all the time, so I have to obey the rules when I'm home, but when I'm gone, all bets are off. But, see, if you teach your kids that God follows you everywhere you go, and you're not going to get away with anything, then it kind of helps check their lives. And I know we live in a society where... That doesn't mean anything anymore. And if they want us to accept something, they say, oh, separate church and state, you can't do that. And we think it's okay. Well, it's not okay, and I'm tired of it. The religion that this nation is trying to start and enforce is what? Church of tolerance. That's the religion of today. That's the church-sponsored religion is tolerance. And that what they mean is that they want us to be tolerant of whatever... Other people want to do. But they don't have to be tolerant of us. That's what it means. And I'm sick of it. And unless we as a people get sick of it together, we're in, we're in sad shape. Because we are so close to losing it all. We are so close to losing it all. I did a, uh, or I did a thing on history or read something years ago that said that, a na- you know, of course, you've probably heard it in school, most nations don't last much past 200 years. That's the the history of nations as a rule. And one thing that they found in those nations, just before they started to crumble and fall, they found out that the women were just as immoral as the men. And when that happened, that was kind of the last, kind of the last block, if you will, that kept the foundation afloat. And we're here, aren't we? I never thought I'd live to see a day that women would be doing some of the things that they're doing. 
It just blows my I just can't believe it. I think someone's lying to me because I do not want to accept them. But that's the world we live in, isn't it? We've got teachers that are, that are abusing their students, women teachers. And I'm going, man, what is the matter? Well, what's the matter is there's nothing touching school. There's no morality anywhere except the morality of tolerance. So, oh, you just, you just go over there and you just accept it. You do your little thing and, and let them do theirs. They have a right to do what they want. Yeah, people have a right to, to worship the way they want, but I have a right not to see it. <laughs> you know, my right is all the way over here until my right infringes on your right. Then all of a sudden, I don't have that right, and neither do they. But we're letting them rule and dictate to us the way the world's going to go. And the way the world's going isn't a pretty direction, is it? And I don't like the direction we're going. <clears throat> now, our, our finding fathers were concerned about, weren't concerned about God being in the state, but the state being in the church. And they're sticking their nose in the church now, aren't they? And in the nation as well. People cannot have a business now and, ha and worship God the way they want. We see it on the first page of our news. We've got people that uh, don't want to make a, a wedding cake for same-sex couples. And what happens to them? They get sued and they lose their business because of it. They can't, they don't have the right to their religious beliefs. And the funny thing about that, I've seen people go into a, a Muslim bakery and ask them the same thing and they refuse to make it, but they don't do anything to them. We live in a world that is, that is so immoral, I just can't believe it. And I know it can get worse, and I'm thankful to God that, that we're where we're at, we at least have a congregation of people that's praying. And if you're not praying for this nation, you need to start because we're in a mess, and only God can get us out of it. And I'm thankful that I believe he will. I believe that we're going to have revival in this nation. I believe that with, all, with everything that's in me. I believe we're going to have a great big revival that's going to sweep through our nation, and, and God's going to save all the ones he's going to save. Take all the church, and then one day you take church out of here. Now, when I say church, I don't mean our church. I mean the, the body of believers worldwide. So that's what's going to happen. That's what I believe. And if you don't believe it, that's okay. Uh, but uh, that's what I believe. Now, our nation was founded under God. And I believe we've been blessed because of it. Our nation is blessed because we've been a blessing to the world. America is the one that sent out all the missionaries throughout the world and spread the gospel. And during those areas of time where we were a righteous nation, our nation has prospered. And uh, now they need to send missionaries to us because they're more <laughs> religious or righteous than we are as a nation. And uh, I'm amazed because they do these surveys and they say 80% of, of our nation believes they're a Christian. Well, if they're a Christian, why are they not doing something? They think that, well, they, because they swallowed the separation of church and state thing. And uh, they believe everything they're told because they don't want to search it out. They just assume, well, well, they wouldn't lie to me. Yes, they would. <laughs> so, and we struggle for freedom from the time we are just a small child. You remember when your kids were little? Man, they wanted to be free. I want to go outside by myself. I want to walk to school by myself. They did that when they're little. You know, we're, we just have this inside us. We want to have freedom. We, and we want to struggle for it. And when we grow up, we want to sing the song, I did it my way. And sometimes when we do it my way, it's not God's way, and it's the wrong way. See, freedom is great, but you have to have one authority to decide what you can do and what you can't do. 
And that's what the problem we have now. See, when God was the ultimate authority, everything, we go to God. He knows what's right and wrong. Man don't. Because if, if I decide what's right and wrong, even though I try to be righteous and make the right choices, I'm going right, to make choices according to the way I believe. And the world, our leaders are doing that too. And if they're not righteous, they're going to do things that's going to justify their lifestyle. And that's, that's where we're at today, isn't it? See, <clears throat> but our nation today wants to control every area of our life, calling it tolerance of what God calls sin. That's, that's the reality of it. The church of tolerance. And the tolerance means we have to tolerate sin as believers. And I can't do that. If God says it's sin, it's sin. I don't care what they say. I tell them, I says, that's fine. As long as you get God, God is okay with it, then I'm okay with it. And I have uh, family members that are, are send me stuff, that, that tell me all this stuff. Well, what do you think about this? I have a family member who is gay, and he sent me an article this week about how we have re-translated uh, the Bible to put down this lifestyle. And I looked at it, and I'm going... Are they serious? I mean, it was almost funny, but he was dead serious. Here we have the whole 18th chapter of Leviticus where they're dealing with sexual sin. Every one you can possibly think of is there. And then you get down to six to verse 22. I haven't planned this, otherwise I want to put it up there. It says, a man shall not sleep with, a, with, a, with another man like he sleeps with womankind or whatever. And they retranslated that to mean that a man can't go in there and lay on a woman's bed. And I'm gone. I says, really? And they did that with straight face because they're trying to justify their lifestyle. So if you go in there and lay on your, your mother's bed, if you're a boy, God says it's an abomination according to that article. I mean, I almost laughed. Of course, I wrote him a nice long thing about it. And I says, men, men have try, been trying to re-translate God's word since the beginning of time, since the beginning of the word. And I says, God's word will still be here when they're long forgotten. That's the reality, isn't it? But the world we live in it has changed their minds so much that they can't even see it. Because when you're in darkness, you, you just accept it. Somebody tells you something, you believe it. We, I grew up in the air. If it was on TV, it had to be true. Nowadays, if it's on TV, don't believe it. I mean, because it's, it's not true, more than likely. And uh, so we need, to, we need to realize that. And I kinda, I, I'm glad I grew up when I, when I did, but... I'll tell you, it gets aggravating sometime. Now we get to this slide. Genesis 41, 29 to 30. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten and the famine will ravage the land. Now, this is the story of Joseph, who was in prison, as you know, and he uh, had a gift of interpreting dreams. And uh, no one could interpret a dream for Pharaoh. And uh, the baker and that uh, reminded, was reminded who Joseph was. And he comes in and he interprets a dream for Pharaoh. And he tells him that there is going to be seven years of famine. I mean, seven years of prosperity followed by seven years of famine. So Pharaoh believed him and took care of it and started preparing for the famine during the seven years. Now America is facing something worse than a famine now. We're in a famine of God's word in our government and in our nation. And we have the opportunity now to start planning for it because we're in a famine. And we need to start storing stuff up because 
The people did not prepare. Everyday people, they're sitting there living in prosperity. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've got all this money. I get to do all this stuff, yay. Buy a new car, buy a new house, yay, yay, yay. Go out to dinner every day because everything's prosperous. And for seven years, that was the way the life was. But someday, after day seven, year eight, things changed. Now, we're in either year eight, nine, or ten. I don't know where we're at in America, but we're there. And now, all of a sudden, famine has hit. And I don't know how we're going to respond. We have this, this uh, story in the, in the Bible that tells us what happens in the famine. Genesis 47, 13. There was no food. However, in the whole region, there was no food in the whole region because famine was severe. Both Econot, Egypt, and Canaan had wasted away because of the famine. Now, economic times has hit Egypt. The seven years are gone. Life was good. Now it's starting to hit, and they're starting to feel the weight of that or starting to feel the punch of it, if you will. And so Pharaoh nationalized grain because they had gathered it all. They were preparing for the future. But more unbeknownst to the people. And we live in a, in a world where people don't prepare for nothing. They think life's right now. All I gotta, and they live from payday to payday to payday to payday. Now, I know we live in a um, kind of a down, down reality as far as finances and stuff in our nation is concerned. Economy, there we go. The economy's not as good as it could, should be. But it's better than it has been. And so it's hard to be able to have anything for the future. But we need to do something anyway. We need to plan for the future a little bit. Because one day something's going to happen and knock the bottom out of everything. And if you haven't planned, you're going to be in this situation. So they have a problem. There's no food, so they go to Pharaoh. We have a problem in America. What do we do? Go to Pharaoh. Go to the government. Genesis 47, 14. Joseph collected all the money that was to be found in Egypt and Canaan in payment for the grain they were buying, and he brought it to, to Pharaoh's palace. When the people ran out of food, they were willing to give all their money for more grain. They gave everything that they had for grain. And I understand when you're hungry, you've got to meet that need. But they never planned. There was no preparation. There was no nothing. And so here's Joseph collecting all their money, and Pharaoh's getting all their money now. Now, that was great for the next year. Then Genesis 47, 15 through 17. It says, When the money ran of the people of Egypt and Canaan was gone, all Egypt came to Pharaoh and said, Give me food. Why should we die before your eyes? Our money is all gone. Then bring your livestock, said Joseph. I will sell you food in exchange for your livestock since your money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph, and he gave them food in exchange for their horses, their sheep, goats, their cattle, and donkeys. And he brought them through and brought them through though that year with food in exchange for all their livestock. So now they're running money, they have all their money. They don't have any money anymore to give. Now they have what else they have? All their livestock, their sheep, their goats, everything that they had as far as animals are concerned. And when you're giving away a sheep and a goat, you're giving away your milk. Daily thing that, that, that they contribute to you. So they brought all that there because they have no money and they have no food. And we're kind of getting there now, aren't we? In America, we've gotten rid, you know, they're trying to take all our money. Now they want to take our possessions. Uh, let's see, Genesis 47, 18 to 20. 
21. When the year was over, they came to him the following year and said, We cannot hide from our Lord the fact that since our money is gone and our livestock belongs to you, there is nothing left for our Lord except our bodies and our land. Why should we perish before your eyes? We and our land as well. Buy us and our land in exchange for food. And we, with our land, will be in bondage to Pharaoh. Give us seed so that we may live and not die, and that that land may not be desolate. So Joseph brought all, bought all the land in Egypt for Pharaoh. The Egyptians, one and all, sold their fields because the famine was too severe for them. The land became Pharaoh's, and Joseph reduced the people to servanthood from one end of Egypt to the other. They ran out of food. See, that's the problem with the government. You know, give and get stuff from the government. You have one problem, you run to the government. Yeah, they take care of that problem. And you have to give them something. And then you run out of that something, you have to give them something more. And the next thing you know, you wake up and you're in bondage. They own everything you got and they own you. And you have willingly submitted yourself to them for grain, for food. And I understand that because it's really nice to stand up here and say, you know, if it would have been me, I wouldn't have done that. But the minute you see your kid crying for food because they're hungry, things change, don't they? But it was all because they did not plan, because they did not know. And, uh, but the government willingly bought them because they own everything now. And that's where we're at. The government, we're all not there yet. The government's still working. They're still trying to give out enough, enough free stuff to get a hold of us until they own everything. That's what their goal is. If you don't know that, wake up, because that's their goal. Uh, Genesis 47, 22. However... Don't you love the howevers? <laughs> However, he did not buy the land of the priests because they received a regular allotment from Pharaoh and had food enough from the allotment of Pharaoh gave them. That is why they did not sell their land. See, it didn't matter what was going on in the world or in the whole country. God provided for the priests. See, I'm, already, I'm in ministry, so I'm okay. They got an allotment of whatever it is because that was, Joseph set that up. And so they didn't do without. God took care of his people. For seven years of famine, the government still provided for the priests, but not for the people. Genesis 47, 22 through 26. Joseph said to the people, Now I have bought you and your land today for Pharaoh. Here is seed for you so you can plant the ground. But when the crop comes in, give a fifth of it to Pharaoh. The four other four-fifths you may keep as seed for the field and as food for yourself and your household and your children. You have saved our lives, they said. May we find favor in the eyes of our Lord. We will be in bondage to Pharaoh. So Joseph established it as a law concerning the land in Egypt, still in force today that a fifth of the produce belonged to Pharaoh. It was the only land of the priests, that did, only the land of the priests did not become Pharaoh's. The first official flat tax was in the Old Testament. 20% is what they had to pay. He owned everything, their land, they gave him uh, the seeds. When it came in, they automatically had to give 20% of everything to God. Now, wouldn't you just love to just pay 20% to the government? I mean, if that's all we had to pay, we'd have more money. You say, well, I find my income tax and I don't pay that much. Oh, you'd be surprised if you counted every tax that you had. You're probably paying 30 to 40% of your income through taxes. But a flat tax, they, at least they were fair. Didn't matter whether you earned $1,000 a month or 10, it was still 20%. So it's fair. Don't you want something that's just fair? 
I get so sick of the unfairness of government. But see, the government uses unfairness to control the masses. Take it from you, give it to you. Hey, they're happy. The people that get are happy. The people that don't aren't. <laughs> uh, let's see, 46, okay. Now, this, so I would love to just have to pay that. Now, it's amazing to see that very little has changed in 4,000 years. Everything, you know, they always say history is destined to repeat it itself. Why is that? Because we don't learn from history. We don't learn from it, and as Americans, we don't teach it. The true history of our nation is being rewritten. You may not know that, but it is. Get some old textbooks from when I grew up and compare to what they are today. They're totally different. They could talk about things about God in, in school. They could talk about creation in school. They could talk about all this stuff about the Bible in school. They can't now. But the reality is there's no reason why we can't. Of course, we've got a Supreme Court that's, in, that's passing law instead of interpreting law. That's the problem we're having today. In case you want to know where it's at, that's where it is. And I'm very disappointed with some people on the Supreme Court who I never guessed in a million years would be sell themselves out. For what? I can't believe it. I'm, I'm talking about religious people. I'm talking about one member that's an Assembly of God guy, and I'm really upset with him. Because they've sold everything out for what? For their legacy? I have no idea why. When you get so old, what are you trying to do? You're trying to please everybody? You can't. If you worry about just pleasing God, things are going to work out. But they're legislating laws, and we're in a mess because they, when they do it. And it's going to fundamentally change our nation. Not for the good, either. It's going to, it's going to ruin our nation. See, the only uh, reason that the government wants to be our provider is so they can be our master. I mean, it's great if you're in the group of people that gets free stuff. And I like free stuff. But how many have learned that there's nothing free in this world? There's nothing free. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Go ask a mouse that's getting, trying to eat in a trap. Oh, ah, free food. That's over. That's when reality really sinks in. Well, that's where we're at. The stuff's in the trap, and we're sitting there. Oh, wow, free stuff. And we're starting to get it and starting to get it. Pretty soon we get so dependent on it, we can't live without it. And then they have us. We're in chains. We're just, might as well just walk and follow and with a rope tied to us and, a, you know, chains on our ankles and everything. Because that's where, that's where the government wants you. So, oh, no, not our government. They love us. They want to take care of us. Wake up! <laughs> they don't want to take care of you. They want you under their thumb. They want to rule you. I don't know what it is, but there's certain people, their whole goal in life is just to tell someone else what to do. There's never enough money for them. You notice that? They ask for how much money is enough? It's always one more dollar. You can have $10 million, how much money is enough? One more dollar. That's the reality. When you have all the money, you never have enough. So what's left? When you have money, you don't have to worry about money. The only thing you have that you can want is power prestige, so I can do what I want. I can cheat on my taxes. Who cares? It doesn't make any difference. It doesn't matter if I'm bouncing checks all over Washington. Who cares? I'm a senator. And they do that. I mean, you follow the things around, and they, I'm not kidding you, they're the most, uh, I don't know what the word is uh, for that, deadbeats. <laughs> as far as buying stuff is concerned, they buy it, give them a check, it's no good, and why aren't we throwing them in jail? Well, because we're stupid. I mean, if we threw all the dishonest senators in jail, I don't know how many we'd have. 
or the house. We threw them all in jail. We might have how many? A handful? Well, we'd be better off. <laughs> but they're selling us down the river, and we need to wake up and realize that because all they want is power over you. They want to tell you what to do. So they can go up there and say, oh, I am so neat. I am more important than you. I am a senator, or I am president, <laughs> or I'm vice president, or whatever it is. Because that's all they have. But see, we don't need to worry about that as believers. I am a child of the king. My king brings up rulers and he tears them down. Brings them up, tears them down. And they come up for what? When people start to get uh, sick of life or things about going on, what do they do? They cry out to God, just like the Israelites did. Things went around fine. Lived for him to God. They were great. The things were going great. Then they start getting away with God. They start getting depressed and things start happening. And what do they do? They call out to God. God comes in again. And they start the cycle. Because we repeat history, because we won't read it, and we won't believe it. And we have people come up and say, oh, you can't have God in the government. Yeah, you can't, because there's too many liars and cheaters and stealers in there. You can't pray because God may convict somebody, and they don't want that. Can't have the Ten Commandments in our, in our courts because the lawyers have to look there and say, you shall not bear false witness. And <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I'm not saying that we all, all have a total lie in our life. But there's a difference between telling a lie and making a career of it. So say the hardest person to get into heaven isn't the camel through the eye of the needle. It's a, it's a lawyer getting into heaven. And I don't know where in the world we ever thought that lawyers would make the best people to rule over us. Politicians, all they know how to do is tell you one thing to get you to vote for me. And I'm going to go over here and tell you. Uh, I'm just telling them that. They just need to do that. See, because I want to get an office. Not for them, but for you. All they do, that's all it is. All they're doing is running for office. They want that power. Yeah, I want that power. But they don't care if they're lying. I don't, I'm sick of politicians up to here. I want somebody that just wants to do what's right. And I'm not sure we can find one in the politicians. I know we got a lot of people running for president this year, more than I've ever seen in my life. But I want the one that's going to be honest and be trustworthy and going to do what he says. That's what I want, isn't it what you want? And no surprises. Of course, I can't complain about Obama lying because he did. He said, I'm going to change this country. Well, he did. He changed it. He really changed it, didn't he? So he kept his word. And one thing he has done that I can thank him for, and that's made us conservatives to start getting up and opening our mouths, start saying something. That's one thing he's done that I'm for. We're starting, we've had it up to here, and we're going to start saying something. Uh, Genesis 20, 47, 27. Now the Israelites settled in Egypt in the region of Goshen. They acquired property there and were fruitful and increased in great number. Wait a minute. How'd that, where'd that come from? So you got the whole world, all of Egypt and everything, they're suffering. They've sold themselves into, their, into slavery. But where are God's people? God's people are over in the land of Goshen, acquiring property, prospering, multiplying, during the famine. Because God takes care of his people. If we believe in God, he will take care of us. I know that from experience in my life. I've been in situations in my life. I don't know how God was ever going to get me out of it. I've lost jobs and this close to bankruptcy because of them. I'm probably closer than that. I mean, I'm, I'm to the point where I got rid of some things because I didn't want to lose them. Signed them over to somebody else. 
I've been there. I know what it's like. Randy wasn't a Christian at the time, so I was kind of limited on certain things. <laughs> but I just prayed, trust God. I said, God, I know this isn't your will. You've got to do something. And he came through. Of course, I'd lost my job, which was the biggest issue that we had. And, uh, but he came through. He actually made money for me. I mean physically made money. I could see it. I should have saved it because it had the touch of God on it, but I had to spend it. <laughs> but he's done that. God can do it. God's not is only limited by what we believe. If you need some money in your life, God can create it. Peter found that out. Go fishing, Peter. I'll put a coin in a fish's mouth, pay your bill. Hope you don't tell me to go fishing, but I would. Of course, he didn't say how to eat the fish, so sorry. But um, so God can do that. We limit God because we do not trust Him. But if we're serving God, He will take care of us. But we can't be uh, just throw everything away and expect God to bail us out. We have a generation. I, I don't know how I, I was raised as well as I was because my dad never, never earned a dime he didn't spend. He didn't know how to spend his money. He did not prorate it or nothing. I mean, if he had it, it was gone. And he thought every seven years, I'll just take out bankruptcy. That was my life growing up. Every seven years, bankruptcy, because if he could sign his name, he wanted it. And then I have my mother on the other side. She knew every penny of her money went. It was written down in a book. And she could tell you back from 20 years where every dime went. But God can come through and make things right. But God wants us to be smart. We trust him, yes, but we don't blow money on stuff we shouldn't. And especially in this economy where we don't know what's going to happen. If you've got a choice in saving it or spending it, and the spending it isn't a necessity, at least say some of it. And give, of course, if you don't give, if you're not giving to God, then, you know, God didn't promise to, uh, to make it last. But I've had God make money. He's stretched money. He's done everything like that. So I believe him. And I've always had a job when I wanted one. And not just a regular old job. I always had good jobs. Why? Because I believe God for good jobs. If you believe God for just a job, you'll get one. But if you believe God for just a, a good job, you get So as your faith is, so be it unto you. I want to believe God for the best, don't you? So in Israel was gain possession during this period of time, and he'll always provide for his people. Uh, the next slide, please. Government wants to com complete control of health care, so we have Obamacare. Government wants complete control over education, so we have Common Core. Government then wants to ration what they have taken from us back to us and decide who gets it, how much, and what kind. Now, does that make any sense to you? The government takes what's yours, and then they give it back to you and say, this is how much you have. That isn't fair, is it? I know that a, a teacher wanted to teach his kids about this kind of thing. And he says, okay, we're all going to be graded on a curve. We're going to take all the grades, and we're going to just divide it, and everybody's going to get a grade. Well, that was great, but the people didn't want to do anything. Because they went to class or didn't go to class. And at the end of the year, the people that worked their butts off and got good grades, they got A's. Well, it doesn't matter. I got an F, but it doesn't matter because their A's going to make mine a C. And what happened, by the end of the school year, nobody was doing anything because there was no point. Why in the world do I want to work my fingers to the bone trying to get a good education when it means nothing? Well, the same thing applies to work. Why do you want to work 
and do everything you can for the government, take it away from you and give it to somebody who don't want to do anything. That doesn't make sense and it ain't fair. Now, I believe we should take care of our people. I do. But I think that there should be something in, uh, under that umbrella that they have to do in order to get that money. And uh, as soon as they start people having to do things, instead of just free handouts, things will change. I meant, if, you can't, if, if you've got so many kids you can't go to work, that's fine. Babysit for somebody that can. Make it so everybody's required to do something. And then it's amazing how many jobs will be found because of it. Because if you, as long as you can sit home, and I don't blame them. If I sit home and collect $500 a week and, or go to work 40 hours a week, I'm going to sit home. Watch TV. I can't blame them, but that's the society we're in. We're great. We're, we're raising up a society of deadbeats. And, they, and the bad thing about it is once government controls them, then what are they going to do? Their lives are over. They're going to start telling you what you can do for a career. Oh, they wouldn't do that. Oh, yeah? Look over in Russia. They give aptitude tests to kids. And if you don't get good, good scores on those tests, you don't get to go to school. You get to go learn how to be a farmer, work in the mill, work at all the hard jobs. If you don't have the aptitude for it, there is no self-whatever for yourself. They tell you what you're going to do. And that's all you got. You don't have no opportunity. There is no opportunity. But in America, we have opportunity. People that can fail those aptitude tests can be a millionaire. Why? Because of work ethic. Because they go out there and they don't believe anything. But anyway, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make something of myself. We have that choice. We have that opportunity, don't we, in America. But <laughs> government doesn't want that. They want to control us. And as soon as they have it, and we're almost there, 47% is there. They're not voting for the people that's going to be best for our nation or best for their kids. They're voting on what's going to be, who's going to give me the most stuff. That's what, I'm, that's what they vote for. And I don't blame them to a certain degree, but it shouldn't be like that. If we raised them correctly in our schools, they wouldn't want that. Our, my dad's generation, and even to a certain degree my generation, they would not take anything from people to help. They wouldn't want no government help. They wouldn't want all that. No, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it, you know, because they had that pride about themselves. Nowadays, they don't care. There's no pride in anything. I'm, I'm not saying everybody. I'm just saying generally as a whole. <laughs> not for anybody in here, so don't worry about it. But if we really submit to total government control, we will wind up the same way the people of Egypt did, in bondage, slaves, to our government and to our leaders. Now, what Obama government is doing isn't any different than what Pharaoh's government did back then. If you want free stuff, they think Obama is, was their savior. We heard that for a while then. He's the Messiah. Oh, and one guy says, oh, man, my knees went weak when he spoke. I about puked. <laughs> But that's the reality. Man, we think, oh, man, he's the Messiah. But he is the Messiah. He's not my Messiah. I know the Messiah. We're, I, he's a personal friend of mine. And he isn't it. All he's managed to do is be able to gut the people in to get control of them. But if Obama's in the Bible, he's Pharaoh. You don't know where he is. That's who he is. He's Pharaoh. And he wants to rob us of every, every freedom that we have. And he will if we don't do something. Being American, enjoy freedom is great, but there's a greater freedom than a waiting, waiting for us. John 8, 36. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Run that other video, will you please? 
Since it's almost the 4th of July, I want to talk to you about freedom. Over the next few days, you'll hear a lot about freedom. About how we fought for our freedom, how we're proud of our freedom, how we celebrate our freedom. But what do we mean? At the most basic level, our freedom as Americans means this. There are some things that the government can't do. The government can't decide what you're going to say, or who you're going to be friends with, or what you're going to do with your life. The government can keep you from hurting other people, or disrupting society, but for most things in life, you're on your own. You have to decide. You are free to choose. Now, even if you weren't paying very close attention at church, you probably know that, as Christians, we also have freedom because of what Jesus did for us. In Christ, we are free from having to worry or fear, free from having to go without things that we need, we're free from the power of sin, and we're free from the power of death. We could keep on listing freedoms, but let's get right down to it. Jesus gave his life so that you could be free to choose. Everybody is born a slave to sin. Being a slave means you aren't free to choose. You're going to sin. Some people go all out with their sin. Some people look okay on the outside, but keep their sin on the inside where it's harder to see. It doesn't matter. Sin leads to death. Death of our relationship with God, with each other, just plain death. Sin, death, sin, death. It's like clockwork. A machine doesn't make choices. It just does what it does. But you aren't a machine. Jesus changed everything. He gave you a gift. He gave you a choice. You can choose to follow Him to new possibilities, more freedom, a new kind of life, or you can just keep doing the same things the same way, just like always, just like everyone else. And just like with the government, no one is going to make this choice for you. You have to decide. You are free to choose. The choice is yours. You can oh. with this, or you can with that. Our forefathers chose to be free, and they died willing to die for it. And we have to make that same decision today. Are we going to choose the freedom that our forefathers have provided for us and start standing up and, and um, making noise? Because that's what happens with a squeak. Have you ever had a squeak in your car or in your house or in a chair or something like that? And it just squeaks and it just wears on you until what do you do? You oil it. And that's what the government does. The government oils the squeaks. How do they oil the squeaks? Money, support, those kind of things. But see, we as a believers, we have two kinds of freedoms that we have. I mean, the, the only ones that truly know freedom are believers. We're the only ones because Christ died so we aren't in bondage to sin. We're not in bondage to anything. I know that I may get to jail one day because of what I preach up here because I'm not changing anything that I say. No government law or regulation is going to change one iota what I say because I've already said that. I'm going to choose, choose what God says. I don't care what man says. I'm going to go what God says. Now, they may land me in jail, 
But I can choose if I'm there with how I'm going to live because they can't jail my spirit. I, when Paul and Silas were in jail, they had a prayer meeting, a praise meeting. And we can choose that. See, every day of your life, no matter what you're going to, you have a choice. You can choose to let it get you down, destroy you, or to lift you up and realize that we have a freedom in Christ. It doesn't matter where we live, how rich or poor we are, if we have freedom in Christ. Because it's amazing, because when we're free in Christ, the things that used to be important to us aren't as important to us anymore. That new car every year that we wanted isn't important, you know. It's just a car. gives me from point A to point B. It isn't important anymore as it used to be before God, before God Christ came into our life. And why should we depressed about a body that keeps getting weaker and older when there's a new one waiting for us? You know, I look forward to that new body. Maybe you don't. But I do. This body every day reminds me that it's falling apart. Actually, I think it's falling apart, but bailing water and duct tape holding it together, but... But I have a choice every day of how I'm going to live. Can't why worry about money when we'll have everything we need here and our next life we're going to be wealthy by anyone's standards. Life abundantly above them more than we ask or think. See, the government of this world are only temporary in charge. God's government is eternal. As believers, we are under God, indivisible, filled with liberty and justice that is available to all through the freedom of Christ. So we celebrate true freedom because it's ours forever in Christ. That's the freedom that we need to focus on. I want to focus on our nation, do whatever I can as a believer to stand up and be counted and don't let take anything lying down. But I also want to proclaim my freedom in Christ because I'm free. I'm not in the bondage to do certain things because God has set me free. He's broken me. He separated me from those things. Amen? Do you know him this morning? Are you free? Let's pray. First and Father, Lord, thank you for this day and your blessings, Lord, and thanks for everyone that's here. I'm thankful, Lord, as an American, to be free, to be able to come up here and say what I want to say without having to worry about somebody throwing me in jail for it, Lord. But even if that is in the future somewhere, Lord, you know I've already made up my mind. I've choose to go by what you, what you say and what you want. Lord, and I pray, Lord, this congregation will do the same thing. I pray, Lord, that, that they will not be satisfied with what's going on, that they will start speaking up and doing what they can. Because one person can make a difference. Lord, help us understand that in Jesus' name. Amen.